Hey, 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 man. Hey, look, I, I don't have a whole lot of time, and this is my last quarter. I didn't even know that you could find phones that took quarters anymore. It's really a miracle. But hey, I want I just wanted to let you know. So this this podcast here, uh, this is about the movie MFKZ. I'm not going to say the full title here, but that movie. Uh, it's not the movie itself, but it is talking about the dub for the movie. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up about that. Oh, your thing too. Uh, oh yeah. Also, also, shoot, I'm almost out of time here. Um, so uh, the the podcast is definitely going to contain foul language that is not suitable for younger audiences. Like, like y- you should see the title and you should think to yourself, like you should know that already. But now you know, foul language is coming in. Uh, what, what else do we say? Oh yeah. Uh, there's definitely going to be spoilers for uh, any and all parts about the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go check it out. It's on Netflix right now. Just pop it in, watch it before you give this podcast a listen. And, uh, oh, last thing, yes, yes, so the opinions expressed by uh, the three hombres in this podcast are those of the individuals and don't necessarily reflect the podcast, the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Oh, shoot, man, oh, dang it. Okay, I, I gotta go. Okay, all right, we'll ca- talk to you later. Uh, stay safe out there. Watch out for the bad guy aliens out there, okay? They are bad, bad news. Okay, bye. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Dub Talk Alternative, a show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in English dubs and voiceovers from all around the world. That's right, we got a membership similar to the Flatter Society. Oh, you know, I was expecting we were going to, you know, combat a lot of different groups and people who deserve to be taken down a peg. I didn't think you were going to start it off with that group, so uh, I, I applaud you. I applaud you it's, all it's, around the world. It, it, it's important to do that because flat eartherism tends to lead to a lot more awful and toxic conspiracy theories, so it's good to nip it in the bud where you can. <laughs> I mean, there is a Nazi in this movie. to pop that so. old thing in the kneecaps. Yeah, yeah, take it's those true. out with them. Um, so, obviously, tonight I will be joined by Amandul. Howdy, folks. The truth is out there. I guess. I don't know. That's what that TV show told me. <laughs> and no a clue. You know, I, I didn't really have a craving for ice cream, but when we finally got around to this movie, I had to go get a soft serve comb. So that's what I'm eating right now. And if the disclaimer didn't tip you off to what we are doing today, or you just happened to click this without looking at our <laughs> spiffy little thumbnail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. We are co- I, I, even after knowing what we're watching and, you know, who we are, I still don't quite know what it is we're doing. And even by the Fair. end of this episode, I don't think I'll know. Um, so tonight we will be covering the, uh, Collaborative project between Studio 4 Degrees C and Ankama Pictures. Um, yeah. A film called MFKZ in the United States, but it goes by a different name elsewhere in the world. Oh my uh, in fact, the graphic novel of which this film is based is also referred to by the title of Motherfuckers. I, I got a fun story about that. So when I bought the the home video release of this, I bought it from a, my used video store because I saw, you know, it had a Blu-ray copy of it. And I took it up to the front counter and it just says the letters MFKZ on the cover there. And the guy who's checking it out uh, looks at me, looks down at the case, looks back at me again and says, so I, I assume that this is short for motherfuckers? And I'm like, no, come on. No, 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 no. You can't say that out loud. There are children here. But yes, that's exactly what it stands for. More or less. 
And yes, you heard that right, people. Uh, as Root said, this is a co-production between Studio 4C and Anacama, which is probably best known. Oh, Anacama. Yeah, as the French studio that made the Wakfu uh, TV series and the uh, video game. Yeah, didn't they also do... Now, was it a spin? Is Dofu's a spinoff? Yeah, do- or is it? It is. It's it's uh you know it's not directly related to the Wakfu universe. You don't have to have seen it to get it. It's yeah, you know, it's a spinoff. It it uh, okay. It it is uh it is to uh Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space what the rest of the Hanna Barbera universe is. You don't have to have seen the rest of it, but it gives you extra context if you have seen it. Gotcha. All right, so this uh, 2017 film is based on the graphic novel by, um, forgive me, my my French pronunciations are absolutely terrible, so I am probably going to butcher this name, uh, Guillaume Renard. I think that's right. Um, also collaborating with him for the production of this film is uh, Shojiro Nishimi, and obviously... Anakama and Studio 4 Degrees C. Yes. Uh, so we have a plot description via Anime News Network. Um, Angelino is a wide-eyed black humanoid creature living in Dead Meat City. A city, gang-ridden city, populated by humans, demons, and anthropomorphic animals. Angelino was just riding along his scooter while making pizza deliveries until the sight of a beautiful woman distracted him and ends up ramming into another vehicle. After surviving his near-fatal accident, Angelino starts to see monstrous shadows casted from the ordinary-looking bystanders that nobody else notices. He also notices a mysterious group of men in black suits spying on him from a distance. With the help of his roommate, Vins, Angelino must survive all hostile threats that come at him in order to learn the truth of who the men in black are. No relation. Uh, spoiler alert, it's aliens. <laughs> It's always aliens. That would have been the twist of the of the Will Smith movie, you know? You, you had a whole society that was supposed to monitor aliens, only to find out they're the real aliens. You know, you're not wrong. But yes, this is uh, not too far off from uh, what uh, the... Uh, uh, because the director of this, um, Mr. Renard, because I cannot pronounce his first name, uh, also known by his pen name, Run, uh, he's apparently got a fixation on... The, um, not just the outcast characters that we'll talk about, but also the environment. And this is what, this is his baby. This, uh, whole movie is actually an expansion of both his graphic novel and the short film that he made that, you know, kickstarted this entire franchise. So, uh, that's gotta be really cool. Imagine taking your short story that you wrote in high school and all of a sudden now it's a theatrical film with Japanese co-producers. Yeah. And I mean... Since this is a Jap- half of a Japanese animated film, um, obviously this is a dub, and dubs require an anime a an ADR crew in order to dub. See, I did a little segue there. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's lovely. And since this is a movie that's set place in, it's so Southern California that it couldn't possibly be anywhere else. I have to assume that this was dubbed by some local Southern California talent, right? Um. Kind of? Uh, so the, the dub of this film was produced at NYAV Post. Kind of a big, prolific anime dubbing studio who works with just about everybody to get mm-hmm. high-quality dubs out there. 
Yeah, despite the fact that they're called NYAV posts, they are kind of a bi-coastal operation, so they have both... uh, They can pull California and New York talent. Right. Um, So as the ADR directors of this project, um, the primary director is Michael Center Nicholas, (gasps) and assisting him is Stephanie Shea. I am shocked. Shocked, I say. Well, not really. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, adapting the scripts is Amanda C. Miller. That did surprise me. Yeah, that did. Because if you've been watching this podcast for a while, uh, whenever we cover an NYAV production, like we did uh, Oko's In, we did Promare, uh, you expect to see both Mike and Stephanie as both ADR director and script writers. So it's a little... It's I'm glad that um, we kind of expanded out there and we got... Uh, a very different kind of talent. And considering the content of the writing, maybe there was a reason for that? Hmm. So, Michael Sinternicholas and Stephanie Shea, um, you would know their directorial work from such things as Your Name, Lou Over the Wall, and Fully Cooly Alternative and Progressive. Um, and you would know the sort of scriptwriting style of Amanda C. Miller from such projects as Cannon Busters, also Lou Over the Wall, and she did a couple episodes of Tower of God, the Crunchyroll Webtoon co-production. Um, so, I think we're ready to begin the review portion of this segment. Um, who'd like to go first? Yeah, this movie is is awesome. This uh, this dub is amazing. Uh, can you guys assert that there was almost? It, it seemed like there wasn't even a, a French version before this. Like this was just born and bred up to be done in English. This is the most aggressively American thing that it technically comes from France I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, more or less. It. I mean, I'll, I'll get into it when I get to my segment, but it. It feels like the English version is designed to be the default. I'm just nodding in agreement. I don't. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I know, I know, I know. I think you mentioned you watched a little bit of the French track at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This was a uh, uh, see. If you've watched any other uh, French movies, uh, especially ones that are put up by G Kids recently, like A Cat in Paris or Phantom Boy, then you get uh, then you know the kind of archetypes that go into French dialogue. This movie uh, has those same French archetypes. Like, there's very um, uh, weighty, contemplative voices for the lead characters. There's like lower gruff voices for the villainous characters that again it's all very french you know it's it's not cartoonish at all it's almost like a almost like a stage play and then you translate that over into english and it's like oh okay like peppers it with all the swearing all of the urban gangsta flavor and it's exactly what this kind of movie needed it it would not have worked if they did like a bbc production kind of dub for this this demanded a socal american f-bomb kind of dub to it and i'm very glad that uh both mike stephanie and amanda all got that from watching this thanks uh so i'm on yeah this is great <laughs> uh this movie's a delight and i think this dub is i think it's just super super strong i think uh it's it, it feels very on point it feels like it was adapted with a lot <coughs> uh loving care uh, I sort of appreciate that, like, this is a kind of obviously political movie, and they didn't shy away with that. Mm-hmm. As, 
Yes. Oh, is, is that a terrorist? No, no, it's a lone wolf gunman. Cause he, cause <laughs> yeah. Because this guy's white, so that's why he's not a terrorist. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you know what you're doing, movie. You know what you're doing. Yeah, no, this it, it just feels really well put together. Uh, were you saying something? It's a, it's, a, it's a rated R movie, so it's it's not like they had to to water down the content to make it more family appropriate. Yeah, I know, but you know, you always you always sometimes wonder, you know. I feel I feel like adaptations kind of toning down to local content is not really a thing that happens that much anymore anyways, but you, no. you appreciate it. You appreciate it when they when they stick to their guns and it's like, yeah, this movie ex- is explicitly political. We would be doing it a disservice to not match that in our adaptation. It is about as subtle as Promare having the villain police characters literally be using ice as a weapon. <laughs> That's a good analogy, Noah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. This, this always feels hard to talk about because, like, there, there are, there are, there are movies with voice work in them where it feels so on point that I, I kind of forget the fact that there's mechanics behind it. It's just like, oh yeah, these are the characters. You know, like, um, and this, ha- and this happens more so with stuff that I know isn't, like, dubbed, but, you know, if I'm watching, like, Spider-Verse, I never think about, like, oh, there uh, are <laughs> actors I recognize in this, and someone had to direct them, it's just like, eh, no, that's Miles, that's Peter B., that's Gwen, <laughs> you know, it, and this feels like that, I don't, I never, I, I didn't ever spend a lot of time thinking about who's acting any of these characters, it's just like, oh, these are the characters, and this is what is happening to them. You, you don't think to yourself, that's Nicolas Cage, or, like, that's John Mulaney, you're like, no, those are just the characters in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. That's another episode I wanted to cover. Another movie I want to cover for this podcast sometime. One day. One day. Soon. But yes, I, I agree with what Aman said. This, uh, I mean, it's not the kind of... I don't think that we we're going to say, like, this is the kind of content that everyone should watch. The, the, the movie itself is definitely a very specific flavor of animation that not everyone is going to get. Yeah. But, but for that demographic, but if you do get the, if you like the content, I think that uh, the dub absolutely fits it perfectly. It's not like someone's going to say, no, the French was better. I- I'm pretty sure anyone who's on board with gunfight with ice cream truck, uh, aliens taking over the government and everything else going on, are perfectly fine with the way that this was adapted into English. Yeah, more or less. Um, also, one thing in particular that I look for in sort of action comedy-esque dubs is um, I bring it up a lot on the show. It's the concept of snap and banter. Uh, Because, you know, snappiness and punchiness to the dialogue of a dub um, really kind of encapsulates sort of fun energy. And, um, Banter also sort of fills the the world of whatever you're dubbing with more or less life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am happy to report that the script writing and direction of this... Sh- of, I was about to say this show, but it's a movie. Um, <laughs> uh, the film's script writing and direction um, makes the world of Dark Meat City feel absolutely alive. Everybody, whether it's a homeless guy sleeping in front of a bodega to 
one of the main characters fighting an alien. Um, it makes this world feel inhabited by people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the dialogue between individual characters just jumps back and forth with a nice flow and energy to it. Um, it is, for what the movie is, it is absolutely pleasant to listen to. It is something I actually tend to like to watch toward the end of my day when I'm about to go to bed. Mm. I know, given the violence, that sounds weird, but it's just one of those, it's just one of those really fun movies that help you cool down. Would you would you compare the the banter, the snap back and forth to be uh, kind of akin to a radio drama? You know, now that you mention it, it does feel especially in the in segments that happen like as as scene transitions where they're just like the text ac- appears on screen like um <laughs> like a B movie. <laughs> and how is Vince's head on fire? <laughs> Wait, did I just say that? <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of um, a carryover from the French as well because if you've seen any uh, French animated features, uh, which I can only speak of, I, I imagine that uh, live action French movies are like this too. But I haven't watched any that were made recently. Sorry, but for the animated ones, uh, they have a tendency to have their actors not mumble their dialogue, but uh, speak over one another and converse with the other characters in a way that kind of feels like they were all recording in the same room together. I do believe that they they do prelay the same way we do in America, but there's often a lot of uh, yeah banter that's in the original. So if they wanted to match the, the lip flaps of the characters in English, they had to capture a very similar bantering back and forth especially in scenes where there's just like two or three characters talking to each other about the roaches and we ain't got no money we ain't got no car or you guys smelling each other's balls in there or what (laughs) i have so many one-liners from this dub amanda had i thank you so much i don't know if it was like heavily adapted or not because from what i could tell the the lines in the english dub were basically exactly what the subtitles were saying. There's very little variation. So I don't know if there was a lot of liberal adaptations, but whatever she did, like you two were saying, it fits pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we all three of us have given this a pretty solid thumbs up. Um, oh, yeah. Are we ready to move on to our first group of characters? Yeah. Uh, I know there's one character I'm super excited to talk about, and I know there's an actor here that Amon is super jazzed to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, first and foremost, we have sort of characters of interest that I personally wanted to bring up, but really didn't fit into any of the categories that are going to be coming up. Uh, First and foremost, we have El Tigre and El Diablo. Um... So, a fun little plot aside to this film, um, one of the forces fighting these evil aliens is a bunch of luchadors, uh, who have been training since, since the days of the Aztecs Mm -hmm. in order to, to fight demons and evil and, like, it, it's what, it, they're just waiting, like, they're saying in peak physical form, waiting for uh, their call to action, essentially, because th- that's what their ancestors were trained to do as well. Right. 
Um, so they are called into action when, um, I think one of them was wiping blood off with a towel, and it looked like a cockroach. (laughs) When you don't have tea leaves to read, you read the blood (laughs) on your handkerchief. After a, after a wrestling match. Or you see the vision of a saint in a BLT. (laughs) Because obviously sandwiches are an important predictor of the future. I mean, they, it's called a bacon lettuce Teresa for a reason. <laughs> Damn it, Noah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll be here for the rest of your life. Anyways. Um, and then we also have Shakespeare. Um, he is a member of the gang known as the Grapes. Um, as sort of another... Aside in the the journey of Angelino, um, he has to run away from the Men in Black in sort of a a section of Darkmeat City, absolutely infested with gangbangers. Because one thing you need to know is, um, this this film is very very steep, not just in Southern California culture, but specifically Southern California culture in the nineties. Now, see, um, the Bloods and the Crips were kind of like, I, I feel like it was before either of us, any of us were paying attention to the news, but the legacy of that, yeah, kind of permeates this entire movie. Right. Because that whole thing was, um, they had two rival gangs, the Grapes and the Limes. Um, one obviously wearing green and the other wearing purple, it was... Sort of an an important plot point in the fact that they, um, Angelino and Vins, who we'll we'll get to here in a little bit, um, they had to ditch their green clothes so that they weren't wearing the rival gang's colors when they enter this part of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I diverged a little bit. Um, Shakespeare in particular is a character I absolutely love in this movie. Uh, because 90% of his dialogue is just um, recycled quotes from the bard. <laughs> um, and when I get to the actor, you will understand why this is absolutely delightful. Oh, yes. Um, so in any case, um, El Tigre is played by Jorge R. Gutierrez. Oh my god! El Diablo by Antonio Alvarez. And Shakespeare by Riza. You must be mistaken here. This is a you know this is an R-rated anime comedy here. You, you don't mean the the, the Wu Tang rapper, do you? I'll get to that in just a second. You can't possibly be. No, no way. No way. He would never be in a cartoon ever. <laughs> in any case. Um, Jorge Gutierrez, you probably might not know him too much as an actor, um, though he has been in, well, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Um, he is a creator. He is the co-creator of the Nickelodeon series El Tigre. Ah, yes. Uh, and he also directed the film The Book of Life. He is the go-to Mexican director who... Is uh, he's also very active on Twitter. Follow him uh, at, uh, and I love his Twitter handle, Mexopolis. 
and he's been very active in the entire animation community for a long time. Yeah, the, this man is a really interesting animation guy. And I was surprised when he told me that, oh, by the way, he voice acted in this movie. Yeah, I um, I have to wonder if that was sort of a playful thing on um, Stephanie Shea, who, by the way, I should mention was the casting director for this film, um, based on the name of the character El Tigre. It could not have been a coincidence. I have strong doubts about it being a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back on track, um, Antonio Alvarez, you would know from such things as Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Serious Sam 4, and he also voiced the character in Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Riza speaking is of, a very interesting case. Speaking of actors who had a part in uh, <laughs> Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, um, Riza is one of the three original members of the Wu Tang Clan, uh, in addition to the Jiza and. The late, great, old, dirty bastard. Got to rest fact. Um, he also composed a... He's composed a lot of soundtracks for films. Um, one of the notable ones I noticed is um, Kill Bill Volume 1. But I believe he also did a lot of the score for um, Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai as well. And had a small cameo in it, too. And in fact, he did. Um... But bringing this full circle to where Dub Talk comes into play, um, he also provided tracks as well as voice to character in the Afro Samurai films. Yes. So, Noah, you started us off with the director and, and the staff. Um, Amon, why don't you start us off here? Oh, where do I start? Uh, I'll start with... Um... El Tigre and El Diablo. Uh, Jorge and Antonio, I think, like, all the, the luchadors are all just a lot of fun. <laughs> Partially because they, they start off as just sort of a background event and then suddenly become important characters. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of delightful that they're there. It's like, yes, who should be the people who've been fighting the aliens? Well, luchador wrestlers, of course. Who else? Uh, so I, I'm just happy they're there, and I think Jorge and Antonio just do a fun job of encapsulating them and making them feel very they bring like the correct level of kind of staginess that you want from characters like that where you know even out of the ring they're still kind of playing their character a little bit and they're just they're just the right level of you know big and flashy i mean Um, considering that el tigre's uh, he's not wearing a tiger mask it looks like he is one like 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 it's part of his body (laughs) he He is is a tiger he just he escaped off the set of B stars and got into this movie somehow. I mean, so, look, sometimes sometimes you're a little too beefy to hang out with the drama kids. It's awkward, <laughs> so you run off to a place that's a little a little more rough and tumble, a little more your speed. You cannot convince me, and that you he still does. get to you. You still get to use utilize your acting chops as well. Exactly. Just now, you can intersperse it with the atomic flying elbow. Everybody wins. <laughs> there you go. Um. Yeah, no, this is, this is, this is, they're, they're a lot of fun. And they actually bring up something I wanted to bring up about the casting that I appreciated. Um, I haven't gone too much through the French cast, uh, but I've noticed a, a fair, it's not entirely so, but a fair amount of the cast in the French dub looks like, you know, they're predominantly white actors. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps not right. shocking. And one of the things I did enjoy about this is there seem to be a lot of 
cons- there, there, there's a, clearly a lot of intention made of like, oh, these are, you know, they're 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 luchadors. They're presumably like Mexican American or something. Let's hire actual like Latin, you know, Mexican American actors to play them. Let's have the black characters be played by black actors, and I I, I appreciate that just because you know uh, the conversation of like you know you know sort of more racial diversity in uh you know sort of i know anime dubbing certainly and i feel like it's also bled into like more general like voiceover acting in the u.s in general uh it's been a conversation for a while and i appreciate seeing it in something like this where you know you know like in as we'll see later like the the two guys the guy who played the the guys who played the leads in uh the french dub are like a pair they're a pair of rappers but you know they're they're white dudes uh and it's nice here that it's like no no this 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 storyline's very (laughs) There's there's a there's a this quality about let's say it's probably gonna mean a lot more if we hire actual like African American people to play these characters rather than just like whoever. Um, I think that you know I think that kind of comes through here. You know they did not have to go get you know Jorge Argutierrez who's cool you know a name <laughs> and very active and I'm sure it was like hey you know we're we're pl- we're dubbing this you know over the top pseudo anime movie with a bunch of luchadors you want to play one of them? Shares the name of that show you made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're a lot of fun but you know who's more fun all the world's a stage and men and women merely rappers look the the, the Rizza has a one of the Rizza's great qualities as a rapper is just he has a great voice I have a spoiler yes, I have a true. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring that up when I talk about the dusty old song at the end of the episode <laughs> uh, so I think nothing else it was, just a, it was a very good choice to have and it's like hey we need someone to just say Shakespeare really dramatically. And the Rizza is the exact kind of guy who excels at that, because he knows he's got a he's got a great voice and he knows how to be big and brashy and brawny. And also like, you know, do a bunch of lines and I am a pantameter and not trip over them. He's just great. It's so I... we... it's so uh-huh. weird though, because like he gets top he gets top billing on the you uh-huh. know on the box cover or with like the promotion and stuff like that. But he's only in the movie for that tiny little bit. I mean, the, the look we could grow a whole discussion about how the billing in this movie is structured because like I think the actual lead gets like the la- like some he's billed towards the bottom because he is comparatively very obscure compared to some of the other people who are like you know award winning actors and so on. Well, hold that. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, so it's you know because you know marketing is a thing, and they're aware of the fact that like, oh, the RZA, people know who that is. We can put that in the box, and people will perk up and look interested. Uh, especially since like you know the RZA, you know, look the RZA, a lot of the RZA's fans are already weebs. <laughs> it's gonna work in their favor. Yes. Look, I I own a copy of Liquid Swords by the Jizzo, which is entirely <laughs> rife with samples of Shogun Assassin, the American dubbed version of the first two Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Like, I get it. <laughs> Makes sense to me. It's a good album. This is a good album. Anyway, it, it, uh, it's weird. Like, you wouldn't think like uh, the original Wu Tang members who were. I, I know they were very into you know samurai movies and. Uh, that kind of aesthetic, but you wouldn't think that there'd be like when that came out. You wouldn't think there'd be a lot of overlap with the anime dorks and the you know African American rappers. Like you didn't think there'd be an overlap with that, but that's how it's become in the recent years. The the the, the main thing I've learned is that society as a whole has way undersold how much like uh, just in general like black people are into like nerdy. I will note, you know why the RZA is able to sample all that stuff in his music? Because he asked very nicely. 
No, well, that part I'm sure that's part of the reason, but part of the reason is because in the late 80s, while he was living in Ohio, he straight up owned a video rental store. And oh. when it finally went busty and it moved back home to Long Island, he just took all his tapes with him. Oh, gotcha. So, like, he he's exactly that kind of, like, you know, videotape head kind of a guy. Uh which is part of the reason he's able to in- integrate all this stuff, because he's actually watched these movies over and over again. Oh. Now I want to see, like, a, a... I know uh, Clerks wasn't in a video rental store, but I want to see, like, a remake of Clerks now, but it's starring the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, that'd be delightful. And Old Dirty Bastard I mean, has to play Silent Bob. I mean, all you have to do then is get Bill Murray in, and then they can steal the album <laughs> back from, Mar- <laughs> from Skrelly. Oh... We can only hope. Um, uh, sorry, I think I think that's about all the thoughts I had. They're good. I like them. They're good. Good. Like you want good, entertaining side characters in your movie, and they these guys they all deliver. It's very good. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with the, uh, that sentiment because, I, I, like we talked about, this is an R-rated movie. It's not like the kind where kids are gonna watch it and not n- not be able to comprehend who the the cast is like cast is kind of a big deal on this so you can get away with things like casting the guy who created nickelodeon show or casting one of the most famous rappers of the last 20 years in your movie and it, it works out and it helps that they're good actors too like i did not expect jorge to have that kind of voice like if you've seen him in interviews before like you've seen him in like point of chadors and about how they're just you know waiting for their call to action, and it's like, oh my god, he has this in him. That's pretty amazing. So I enjoy that quite a bit. And like I said, even though the RZA doesn't have a whole lot of lines, it's pretty much restricted to just reciting sonnets by Billy Shakespeare. It, it The fact that it is him, like, it could have been anyone. They, they could have gotten anyone to fill that role. But the fact they went the extra mile and got the RZA really helps elevate a little bit more and i'm not sure if it's exactly just the the voice itself like it's a fitting voice but i do think that that recognition elevated a little bit more than if it was the same voice but just with a random voice actor Hmm. i'm sorry that's all i don't have much more to add to what amon said it's pretty much the point it's like yes these are entertaining side characters and they all fit into the overall plot too the luchadors aren't just there for name recognition for you know hey we got luchadors that means we're authentically mexican no it like they actually tie into the plot near the end yeah <laughs> the, the plot as it were there's plot it's a very silly plot but it's plot it is you're right um so yeah like everybody else i'm gonna start with el tigre and el diablo um the banter between the mass wrestlers is just great um, one of the lines I wanted to bring up in the, um, in the script writing section, and kind of forgot about it, but now I can, um, not one of the ones that we're covering, it's just this fun little rap from one of the, um, from one of the, the lesser luchadors, and it's just, you know, my name is Felix, and I have gas, and he's holding this huge propane <laughs> tank, and it's over his shoulder and i'm just bless this movie <laughs> it is not too it is not so serious that it can't make a fart joke <laughs> it is uh, like the the luchadors are just such uh such levity in the overall plot it's 
I just love it. It's great. Like, there's so much fun. They they inject a lot of fun into this movie. Um, where a lot of characters in it... Um, the movie is made fun by their reactions to the world. Um, through the Luchadors, it's just their presence. Just, just makes this movie an absolute blast. Um, and then just the RZA quoting the Bard. While holding... Two fully automatic machine guns, one in each hand. It, like, I love that design. And, like, the RZA can both sound intimidating as well as pull. As like Amon said, he he can also pull off the iambic pentameters without tripping over himself, um, which I think is absolutely spectacular. And also going on Amon's point about. Um, Casting actors of color in roles of color for this film is, um, I should also note that this film was dubbed, I believe, sometime in 2018, which would have been a little before, really, the conversation about casting actors of color in more dubs became a little more prevalent. Mm. Um, so... I have to give Stephanie Shea a lot of props for going out of her way to do so before it really became a talking point. Oh, of course. Mm. Um, so overall, the the sort of secondary characters of this film are just an absolute blast. I love them all. I wish I could just dump all of them into this segment and <laughs> just talk about them all at once, but we'd be here all night. And I know you guys would probably like to, but, you know, you you two also have stuff to do when our listeners have stuff to do. I mean, I, I imagine that they're they're listening to this while they're doing other stuff. And yes, I'm calling out I'm calling out you, person who is like washing the dishes or vacuuming while listening to this. Yes, we can see you and we applaud you. Thank you very much for taking us on the go. <coughs> Yeah, and if you're listening to us while doing your chores, kudos. Kudos for adult responsibility. Yeah. Clean that stuff. It's important. Uh, so next up, we're going to cover the sort of antagonists and villains of the film. Uh, first off, we have Mr. K, sort of a mysterious brooding man who is later revealed to be the leader of the Machos. Uh, sort of the alien race who is seeking to wipe out the human race by basically putting into law all of the stuff that sort of accelerates climate change and creating global warming, killing off all the humans, because you know what? That's going to make the planet Earth perfect for them to live on. Uh, you know what's not so great for them? Little snowstorm. Just a little bit of winter and it kills them. So Mr. K is out to prevent that. Um, and he has a lot of human enforcers in his employ. Uh, in particular, we're going to be talking about two of them in this segment. Uh, versus Crocodile. Um, sort of a... 
sort of a tough-as-nails black suit at first, but then he gets humiliated by Angelino, and he just sort of becomes more and more unhinged over the course of the film. Mm-hmm. And then there's Bruce. Bruce doesn't give a shit. He does not. He, he mm-hmm. and his chin do not give a fuck. Mm-mm. Bruce will just put one between your eyes if you cross him. He, 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 he is, is a very intimidating motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He is literally, c- considering what he does to uh, one of the maternal figures in the movie, he is literally a motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, what are you... <laughs> he takes out Lino's mom at the beginning of the movie. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I thought you were implying that he no. was Angelino's father, which, okay. no. <laughs> no, okay. I understand how you get that. However, as... As Monty Python has taught us, fucked has many different meanings to it. You know, it can be used in many different contexts. It does not just have to be sexual. It can be like, I got fucked at the used car lot, or uh, I'm really fucked, or uh, Jimmy talks too fucking much. There's like, there are not that many words that have that much range to it. I, I could recite that entire sketch, but I, my point is that, he, that, yeah, Bruce is a bad, bad mother. Shut your mouth! Yeah, fair. I... I might just be a little tired right now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. Uh, but in any case, um, this is a segment I am very looking forward to talking about. Um, because Mr. K is played by one Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, Crocodile by Michael Chiklis. And Bruce by one Danny Trejo. Yeah, all three uh, Giancarlo Esposito, you would know from such projects as Star Wars The Mandalorian, where he gets to play the big bad guy. Um, Breaking Bad, where he gets to play a big bad guy. <laughs> oh, oh. And an episode of Sesame Street back in the 80s where he <laughs> played a camp counselor. <laughs> And somebody put a video out of it, like, right around the time of the episode of Breaking Bad, where um, Gus Fring gets half his face blown off. And he's just singing songs with Big Bird, and you're just like... One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I, I, I love exactly. it. Exactly. I love it when character actors have weird, random, late period revivals, and then people just get to recontextualize all the random things they've been in for the last thirty years against what they're doing now. It will never not delight me. It's great, and it it shows sort of the versatility of Giancarlo Esposito as well. Um, but I'll get to that here in a bit. Um, Michael Chiklis, you would know from such projects as The Shield. Uh, he was also in the dub of Spirited Away. And he was also in Fantastic Four, the 2005 one. A.K.A. the not very great, but kind of fun one. Yeah, I'm going to call that the good one, considering the <laughs> the late 80s made-for-TV one and the, the fan-forstic one in the 2010s. Yeah, I'm going to call the, the I'm going to call that one the good one. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, fun is a different kind of good, so there you go. <laughs> it was good enough to get a sequel. I, I don't think that anyone thought it was like it wasn't the worst thing ever. You know, it wasn't Catwoman. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not um, standing for then, the movie. I'm just oh, like, I, I was. I don't get why that movie gets so much hate. But I'm sorry, as you were saying. 
No, it, like like I said, it's it's goofy fun, but it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Trejo, you would know from such projects as From Dust Till Dawn. Um, he also played Machete in the film Machete, but he also played Machete in Spy Kids, <laughs> and it's great. Speaking of uh, hardcore actors in kids' properties. <laughs> like, Danny Trejo is the complete package. He can do, like, really gruff... He was also in Breaking Bad. He, um... He was. He was a hitman. I Wasn't he the one that um, that got decapitated and put on the turtle? I think I you're th- right. No. I, I thought he was the, um... He was one of the, um... Not a hitman. I thought he was uh, a drug lord. That, oh, uh, that could be, yeah. But in any case, um, yeah, he, he was he was the guy who series. got decapitated and his head was put on a turtle for a dramatic shot in the that desert. That is true. Yes, that part did happen. <laughs> but then he's also in, like, Spy Kids. And, like, he does a lot of kids' properties. And, like, if you ever meet the guy, he is, like, the most gentle human being you would ever meet. Mm. Like, I... I want to say he has, like, a pit bull rescue in, in California. Like, he's just this good dude. That sounds like a thing he'd have. Like, he, like, and you also hear, like, the story that he saved an, he saved an autistic child from an overturned car because he understood how to communicate with him and managed to help him free himself. Like. Wow. What a guy. He, He's just a great dude. Um, oh, yeah, and he's also in Fallout New Vegas. That's the last <laughs> one of my notes. <laughs> That's right, he is. All right, um, so Noah, why don't you start us off with this group? Uh, uh, <coughs> I don't want to say bad things about Danny Trejo and anything now. Like, I was kind of wondering, like, his dichotomous casting choices, like, He's gotten to be in a lot of things because he just doesn't say no to anything, but he's always good in everything he does, and this is no exception. Like, I sometimes look at Danny Trejo, I'm like, oh, are we going to get Spy Kids Danny Trejo, or are we going to get Machete Danny Trejo? Uh, we got Machete Tre- Danny Trejo in this one. We, we got the the gravelly, uh, pis- gold-pistol-toting badass who does not really change his inflection. He's got this, like cool composure even in moments where things are going really wrong they've lost the lead on the two guys they're chasing he's still got that that gravelly voice to him uh he also gave me one of my favorite lines in this whole movie he gave us i can quote shakespeare too bitch Mm. (laughs) yes (laughs) it's very very good so yeah for for this particular role like I, I'm glad that Danny got to be a, be a bad guy in this because he does it really, really well. And this is probably my favorite of the named actors that we got in the entire cast. He's, he got a ton of fun to do by playing Bruce in this, so I'm glad that we got to hear that. Um, and for the other two, um, I actually have a little bit of problem with uh, Gina Carlo Esposito because, um, not because of his acting, like his acting for this uh, wrinkly old, like elder macho uh, is it's perfectly fitting uh he's got like this uh good contrast between his uh diplomatic voice when he's talking to lino for the first time and then his more angry voice when he's like shouting at luna um but the the only problem i have is that i feel like uh, he was trying to sound older 
he was trying to uh, give him like the sound of an aged character, and I don't quite hear. I hear a middle-aged voice trying to sound older than he actually is. Like he doesn't quite have the 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 weathered voice of someone who is actually as old as he's supposed to be. But his actual well, acting is perfectly fine. Well, here's an interesting thing about it. Um, it's actually kind of close to the um, the pitch and tone that he uses as like Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. I haven't seen like, that Like, it's yet. not necessarily him trying to sound older. It is just he has a lot of natural gravel to his voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. Like, it it fits the character design, and it fits the kind of uh, person he's supposed to be. Um, that was just uh, an element, and maybe it's just because I'm comparing it to the French. Because if you listen to the uh, the French Mr. K, uh, he's definitely got... <coughs> sorry. He's definitely got more of a an older voice to him of someone who's a little more weathered, which I don't quite get from Gina Carlo. But that, that has nothing to do with the actual acting portion of it. And I don't think that anyone who watches this and gets to that point in the movie where we go full Akira is really going to be thinking, like, hmm, that doesn't sound old enough. That's just a nitpick that I had personally with it. Okay, that's fair. Um, I have actually no nitpicks with uh, Michael, actually, uh, as Crocodile. Um, he has an amazing mullet, just an absolutely fabulous mullet. Um, oh, it's just the greatest hockey hair. <laughs> Yeah, that could be a damn goalie. <laughs> it, it makes him stand out from because uh, there's there's a, a handful of henchmen in this movie. You know, they're all black suits, and he's the one that really stands out because of that that hair character design portion of it. Um, Actually, now that I think about it, I think he has a little bit of a mind the gap as well. I have to go back and look, but I think you're right. Um, but I actually have the least amount of notes on Michael's performance because um, Crocodile doesn't get a whole lot of um, dialogue. He, he gets, like, very angry lines. He's shouting at Lino. He's like, they're making a run for it. Uh, but he doesn't really have, like, a funny vocal quirk or, like, anything that really stands out. It's It sounds the most normal-ish of the cast to me, which is perfectly fine. Like, we didn't need something that, like, really made him stand out. It, we just needed... Uh, tough badass henchman who hates to fail at his job with crazy eyes okay hmm where to start let's see i like i like yeah i like uh i like uh young carlo as mr k uh just i think he's i mean as 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 seen by anyone who's watched tv for the past 10 years he's good at being menacing <laughs> Even if it's, like, menace cloaked in something else. And I think he definitely brings that to Mr. K. Uh, he's, especially when he's, like, giving that speech, sort of explaining what the macho's deal is. And it's he, he, he's just, he's out, he, he brings the right tone of, you know, sort of, you know, sinister knowledge. Like, I'm going to explain this to you because you're not long for this world. So it's okay if you know. Because <laughs> you're going to be dead soon. And that's fine. Um... Yeah, he just he, he he sounds really good there, and he also sounds good when he's like actively, you know, kind of loses his cool and he's like yelling at people, like you know, Esposito's got that he's got that good voice that'll um kind of allow him to like you know go from being quiet to being loud and still being able, you know consistent acting wise. Um, yeah, I, like and I agree with I I I I, I think partially because I'd watched the uh, French, I would you know the some of the tone qualities of his voice didn't, you know, really occur to me, but I, like, I, I agree with, like, this performance, I thought, uh, with what Noah was saying, I think it's very strong. Um, 
Michael Chiklis is fun. He's just playing this guy who, you know, for the back half of the movie, is just really irritated that these two, <laughs> you know, these two little weirdos just completely show him up in public, and he's gonna get revenge. God damn it! <laughs> Doesn't end very well for him though. But oh well. Uh, he's. I think he's just a lot of fun. You know, this is not this is not the first time Michael Chiklis has played a shitty authority figure. Some might say he's very good at doing that. Uh, and I think he, he brings just it here. Just a little. Just a little. It's a, it's a... I had to look up and see if he actually won anything while he was on the shield. Anyways, um, no, he, he, like, he's good at it. Like, he feels like good casting for that character. I think he portrays him really well. Let's talk about the star of the section. The thing I like about Bruce is Bruce is one of those fun characters where he's not technically the main antagonist. But he is the one who causes the protagonist the most trouble, so he feels like the main protagonist. And it's so great having Danny Trejo be there to play him, because it's like this is this is well, for one, this is this is you know, this is exactly the kind of role that Trejo is able to excel at, or one of the many kinds of roles he excels at. It's like he, he can do anything. He can, he, he can, I, I, and obviously, obviously he can, but I feel like there's a certain level of like, you know, Danny Trejo gets in the booth and he's like, so what's my motivation? It's like, you are the meanest son of a bitch. And he's like, I can do that. <laughs> he, he walked yeah, into sure. the recording studio and, he, and they said, oh, we want full, we want full Trejo for this <laughs> movie. Oh, uh, you, you, you want the full Trejo? Okay. <laughs> um, I believe I can deliver. Uh, just, and delivered. Did it's just it's so he's so good here. Like you know, part of it's like you know, you know, Day Trejo's got a great voice. Again, look, a lot of people in this cast just they have a great voice, and on some level that kind of gets the fifty percent of the way there to begin with. Just like yeah, that's the voice that should be coming out of this guy. Um, but he's just he's able to just seem so just menacing and upsetting, and you know, you know, you know, he, he's given a good one liner, he can just you know deliver it without any trouble. <laughs> um, you could you could just you could feel just the the feeling of like yeah this is this is the enforcer guy that you do not want to mess with because he will mess you up without a second thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, hey, if if that means some of his lackeys die, all right, there's more of them. I don't care. <laughs> Kill as many as you want. There's there's more where that came from. <laughs> we mail order them <laughs> exactly. Got a little got a little place up over in Wisconsin. Just pumps them out for us. You don't have, you don't have to worry about a thing. And with Amazon uh, Prime, we can overnight ship them. <laughs> <laughs> just li- little little Amazon drones just hauling over big coffin-sized boxes. <laughs> Dark Meat City. <laughs> we joke, but that's the dark future we're heading towards. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, la- laugh now, folks. Laugh so it- we don't cry. Ah, but um, Trejo is just he's so. He's just so good. He's just it's just it's it's like the performance, the voice. Um like I I'm, I'm glad they cast him in this role and partially cuz like I'm I'm happy anytime Danny Trejo gets a paycheck. He's a great guy. I love that he gets as much work <laughs> as he does. There's all those people who are like even even if he's in something that's not great, I'm like, "No, nah, you get you get you put in an honest day's work, Danny. You you don't half-ass things when you get roles. Good for you." Uh, you can tell it in here, like, I think he's, he's, he put a lot of care into this performance, like, you know, because I, I think we've all encountered, like, instances of kind of, you know, stunt casting. Uh, which, you know, D- Danny's done enough VO work already, but it's not really the case anymore, but he's clearly a guy who it's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the character. I'm gonna do what I'm here to do. Uh, and he's just, he's just great. Like, I'm, I'm kind of glad he's the villain we follow around the most, just because I, I think Trejo just gives him such a wonderful, like, 
quality to him. Like he's he's the guy you want to have chasing after your protagonists in a good like action comedy kind of thing. And one thing I just thought I just realized as we were talking was that it's not just that he also is the main uh, antagonist we follow around, but he he's he's second banana to the main bad guy when we actually meet him. Who actually you know Mr. K like talks down to him a little bit and so because danny's got like that human element to his voice you kind of feel for bruce when uh, when he's no longer the main bad guy of the movie you're like oh i was kind of rooting for that guy (laughs) (laughs) i want him to be the main guy i I did i was like this other dude this other guy is like old and wrinkly and and you know he's infiltrated government he's like a real bad guy he's not a fun bad guy Uh, jokes. All right. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to start with Giancarlo Esposito. Um, I, I love it when he gets to sort of play roles like this. Um, his, the presence of his voice makes him like a prime candidate for just being the sort of string-pulling villain, sort of the the Moff Gideon, the Gus Fring, that camp counselor in that episode of Sesame Street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's just great at it, and, like, the introduction to his character when he's sort of sort of doing the villain's monologue for Angelino, because he's pretty sure that this is going to be it for him. Spoiler alert, it's not. It, it never is, but, you know, and then in those scenes where he's, like, berating other people, it's it's just, like, it's great, and, God, I just love the fact that John, Giancarlo Esposito is technically in an anime dub now, and we get to talk about it. Yeah, what, what, a, what a, what a section of people to be in, what, what. I think by some definitions qualifies as an anime. Just like, who would have thought? Yeah, this is this is this is supposed to be like when Brian Cranston was in that one Macross dub. It's supposed to happen early <laughs> in their career when no one knows who they are. Not during like arguably the height of their fame for some of these guys. Well, I mean, he he was in you know Power Rangers too, so he was no stranger to to English dubbing at that point. <laughs> And then you got to be the dad in uh, Malcolm in the Middle, and that was just basically the career for him. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, rhetoric to wax on Breaking Bad aside. Um, uh, Michael Chiklis is also great. Um, you, you really get the sense that he has been just absolutely emasculated by... Vin's Willie and Angelino. And by the end of the movie, he's just, like, absolutely unhinged. And it's it's actually kind of fun to follow him. Uh, especially right before his last encounter in the movie where he has, um... He has Willie hostage. <laughs> just read the hostage note. <laughs> I think you just went off script. <laughs> uh, it's it's just great. Um, I I don't have a lot to say because like he gets a very quick character arc over the course of the movie. I say quick. He he's like in a lot of scenes, but it you know what I mean. It just kind of 
happens swiftly to move him along the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say the same about Danny Trejo as Bruce, though. Like, you know what he is. You know what he can do. He is just pure, concentrated bad guy. Um, I should also note, because I, I don't think I did when I introduced the characters, um, it should be noted that he is confirmed to be 100% human. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just working for Mr. K because he wants to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I, like, also the flashback scenes where he's murdering Angelino's mother... Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, he is just absolutely... He just bleeds intimidation. Like, yeah. it is an... Yeah, that's the kind of... Uh, it's weird that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's hunting uh, Lino at that point in the movie, considering that he's supposed to bring him in alive in the, the main body of the movie. So I wonder, did the bad guy just decide later on, like, no, 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 and we can actually let this kid live now that he's, you know, he's got powers that'll suit our needs now. Man, good thing we didn't accidentally kill him when he was a baby. Yeah, I I would assume so. I mean, like, they do kind of go over it a little bit when uh, Mr. K was sort of explaining things to Angelino. Mm-hmm. That basically he was an unintended byproduct of their attempt to... Mixed machos and humans. I'll be getting into that a little more at the, toward the tail end of this episode, but... Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Danny Trejo gives Bruce this absolute aura of just pure structured intimidation. Um, which also... Bruce's character design also helps with that a lot. Um, I I should also note that the, the character designs of this film are very sharp and on point. Mm. Um, but yeah, overall, I like these guys. They, they do really great work. Um, Giancarlo and Danny Trejo are probably my standout performances of this dub, other than one other character that we'll be getting to here in a little bit. You Which actually, Sesame, we. You think Sesame Street like invites people to be on their show, or do you think people like have to ask them, like, please put me on the show? I really want to be part of this legacy. Like, I'm sure they have to audition for it, unless they're like a really big guest star, and then it's just like, it just probably just kind of happens. Like, uh, that's what I'm wondering. Their, their like, agent like, knows a guy, and it's just like, yeah, I can, I can get you on Sesame Street. You, you want to? I, mean, I have to imagine, like, like at the height of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda guest starred on an episode of Sesame Street where he was, like, a, a travel agent. And I'm like, okay, there's no way that, you know, he, he turned to the producer of Sesame Street and they would have said no to him. Like, that had to have been a, you get one free Sesame Street when you produce a Tony-winning musical. <laughs> I mean, it probably doesn't hurt. Wait, then where's my Stephen Sondheim episode? Oh, oh, don't break my heart, Amma. I'd love to see that. Oh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see like like Stephen Sondheim giving singing lessons to Bert and 
like their pigeons are singing in the background and then we could get like the chickens from the muppet show oh man think of the the possibility <laughs> that's not right. this episode <laughs> no that's probably the complete opposite of what we're talking about here yes back to racism and murder <laughs> Um, so for this section, we have sort of Angelino's friends and I'm going to say ally in air quotes, kind of three air quotes, more or less. Um, first and foremost, we have Vins. Um, he's a talking skeleton and his head's on fire. He can't get a job because his head's on fire. (laughs) Uh, he and Angelino just kind of hang out in their apartment, feeding a bunch of cockroaches dog food. That's I mean, kind of their thing. And then when um, when Angelino has to go on his big adventure to discover himself, because, you know, people are after him, uh, he has to be Angelino's voice of conscience. Uh, and then you got Willie. Willie's just an asshole. And he's kind of annoying. Well, he sucks. Uh, he also almost got killed by a Nazi in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Willie is loud and abrasive and kind of hangs out with Angelino and Vins. I don't think they really want to, but he just kind of shows up and they're like, you know, he's that one friend. <laughs> he's that one person in your friend group who kind of annoys you a little bit, but he does one one thing that you appreciate, and, like, he hangs out with you. I just got the sense that he was the, the friend who nobody likes, and because of that, you feel almost obligated to look out for him, because who else is going to? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that that's seems how, about right, too. That's how he gets into the apartment in the beginning. It's like, if we don't let him in, the Nazi's going to kill him. Just let him in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want that on your conscience. And then you have Luna. Um, like Angelino, Luna is half macho and half human. Um, but unlike Angelino's sort of more natural coming together in the mother and father sense... In the, um, shall we say, sideways tango sense. Um, Luna was manufactured. Uh, she is also Mr. K's daughter. And in the segment where you first meet Mr. K, she's sort of teetering between obeying him and doing what she wants. And then she ultimately decides to do what she wants, which which ends up being helping Angelino... Take out her father's empire. Uh, so, Vince is played by Vince Staples. Uh, Willie is played by Dino Andrade. Uh, and Luna by Dasha Polanco. Vince Staples is pretty is a pretty well-known rapper from the sort of L.A. area. Um, doesn't have too, too many acting roles to his name. Um, but he was also... Involved in an Adult Swim series by the name of Laser Wolf. Uh, as the titular character, Laser Wolf. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dino Andrade has kind of been around for a while, and um, you would probably recognize him from such things as uh, the Batman Arkham Asylum games, Helsing Ultimate, and recently he was also involved in the um, in the dub for Shuroneko Project Zero Chronicle. Um, sort of that Funimation dub that was done in um, Okertron's West Coast studio. Uh, and Dasha Polanco, you would know from such things as Orange is the New Black, Russian Doll, and she's also in the the new In the Heights adaptation that'll be coming to HBO Max, and I also believe theaters. Huh. Pending theaters being a thing in the near future. I mean, they're pretty. They pretty much are, even though you really probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Amon, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right. Um, I'm gonna start with Willie because I want to relate a funny story, which is I first saw this movie like a couple of years ago, uh, and I doubt uh, watching this, I remembered. I remember I did this basically both times when Willie showed up, I had to pause and look up to see if that was Derek Stephen Prince. Because this sounds <laughs> enough like how Derek Stephen Prince... Yes! Or at the very least, he sounds enough like my memory of how Demimon sounds from Digimon Tamers that I had to look it up. And I did the exact same thing when I was watching it this time. Because uh, apparently that, 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 that particular sort of spitty cartoon voice is what I, I associate that with Derek Stephen Prince doing more sort of, you know silly cartoony characters and it's like oh no it's this other guy who's been in quite a bit of stuff but i don't know his name ha having just having just finished watching love hina where Derek Stephen prince plays uh keitaro it's interesting you mentioned that because i can totally hear that voice coming out of willie exactly in the in the in the like in the in the version of this show that was still dubbed in LA but doesn't have quite such a like stacked cast, this feels like the character that would they would have cast Derek Stephen Prince in. That, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> that being I said, definitely see that. That being said, that is not to diminish Dino's work. He does a very good job on Willie, mostly because he's very good at sounding really annoying and a little gross. <laughs> like <laughs> he does that. My ass is on fire. He does. He does. He does that thing where, like, Willie always sounds like he has a little too much saliva in his mouth at the moment, and it's just—it's not. Eh. Please do something, sir. This is. This is. We're. This is. There are children in the audience. Well, probably not, but they're sensitive there sensitive people. Be. <laughs> yeah, they should be. There's some. There's some. There's some ten-year-olds who snuck in in a trench coat. Please, sir, have some <laughs> respect. Like, I understand that they're, like, you have the story, Amon, about, like, your parents taking you to see a movie that, uh, well, it was Princess Mononoke, wasn't it? And my, my poor sweet mother clearly just thought it was a nice animated <laughs> movie and did not know that a man gets his arm shot off with an arrow in the first ten minutes. Now, that makes sense. Like, I, I could totally see a parent accidentally taking their kid to see, like, oh, it's distributed by a, a branch of the Disney company, and, oh, it's got the word princess in the title. I could see that. What parent is going to look at the title of the poster and think to themselves, yeah, 10-year-old. That that sounds fine. The same ones who took their kids to see Deadpool and then got really surprised when they started dropping F-bombs. <laughs> Those parents. That was a thing? Yes. Yes, that was absolutely well, a, lot, a thing. A lot of parents just view a lot of parents view movies as a cheap babysitter. They don't they don't necessarily think as hard about it as they should. It's very unfortunate. Well, they are. It's a comic but... book movie. It's 
fine. Look at it. It's animated. It'll be fine for the kids. Oh, look, there's an Adventure Time reference, and he makes all sorts of pop culture. Yeah, my kid can go see this with no exactly. questions. Precisely. Um... Anyways, Dino's a lot of fun, though. He he plays this character really well. He understands exactly how irritating Willy is, but also how kind of, like... You know, I, you know, I don't know if you feel bad for Willy per se, but it's like, yeah, you're kind of a loser, and you clearly don't have a lot of friends, and there's no, and you, you've been caught up in something that is way over your pay grade. <laughs> I feel, you know, poor, poor dude gets his house shot up. That's rough. And then a helicopter falls on it. <laughs> Uh, and then apparently he has a singing career doing some sort of... <laughs> did, did, I don't even know what the hell he was doing at the end. That, his, his, that song was very funny, though, Willie's. Uh, Dino was very funny on that whatever that was supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, he's just sat on a quest to multiply the oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta undo all the damage with... <laughs> The worst part is I don't remember the song well enough to even be able to describe what genre it's aiming for, other than just I was befuddled. So, you know. Uh, thanks to whichever one of the guys who did the music did that particular song. You did good. Uh, yeah, Dino, yeah, Dino, Dino I, he, did, he turns in a very good performance. I think he's the, he's the correct level of cartoony for Willy. He, gets, he just nails sort of the character as, like, that annoying friend you have. Uh, he's a lot of fun. Um, Dasha, I think, turns in a good performance as Luna. I think, you know, compared to some of the other characters, Luna has... She doesn't, she doesn't speak as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I like the tone Dasha brings to her. You get the sense that she is someone who feels very conflicted. Like, she, you know, this is her dad's plan, so she's... Or maybe dad in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, but she could, you can kind of tell that, like, maybe she's not super into this, and, you know, she's feeling kind of conflicted about it, because, like... Are these really the kind of people who we want running everything? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Um. So I, th- I think I think she she like does bring like a good um. She brings like the right like emotional resonance and nuance to the character, even if what a lot of Luna does is kind of, uh, you know, sort of explain things or show up suddenly and have <laughs> have people yell at her. It's like I'm not falling for that. Angelino, stop thinking with your pants. Stop that. <laughs> That's um, not the line. I'll mind you gotta say the line. Stop thinking with your dick, Angelino. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, that, was, that was definitely in the French. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the, fr- the French are very body people. They would absolutely keep that in. <laughs> um... Uh, I think Dash does, I do think, plays the role really well, even if, like, Luna... Presumably we'll have a bigger role in the theoretical sequel that may or may not ever arrive. <laughs> um, but I I, 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 I was, uh, but Vince Staples. Uh, this is great. I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to our lead, but the chemistry he and the actor who plays Angelino have together is great from like the first scene where they're in their apartment talking to each other these two feel like they have been friends for life and they've been through so much garbage together and they have each other's backs uh mm-hmm. like I, I i don't need a sequel to i don't need a sequel to this movie but if they if someone has the wherewithal to cast these two as like a pair in something in the future anyways like please do they're great um, yeah, I, I I also just think Vince is just really fun as this character who 
It's clearly also clearly recognized that it's like this is I no I don't want any of this. This is bad. <laughs> Can we leave? I'm in the wrong movie. Can we please get as far as far away as possible from this as we can? Because let's go to Mexico. <laughs> let's, let's get a job on a different TV show. Let, let's be uh, librarians. Can we do that instead? Exactly. Uh, he's, he, that's a problem. He's a fire hazard. <laughs> Poor that's guy. Well, he, does, he does have that spiffy hat at the end, so presumably he's found some way to deal with it. And we um, said he was a fire hazard at the beginning of the movie before we even meet him I'm like yeah. oh so he's like an arsonist like oh he's a bad person no no he's just he's literally on fire he can't help it he has just get big old big old flame on his head like he's a he's something from a mike mcgill comic he can't do anything about it he's just there <laughs> now he has to make a cameo in hellboy <laughs> oh um, and I think I think Vince just does a great he just does a great job playing him. Like this is what I was talking earlier about kind of like, you know, roles where I'm not thinking about the actor very much. Like Vince and Angelino are very much in that mold. Like they just they just sound like two dudes are in over their head and they don't want to deal with this. They wanna go back to their crappy little apartment and they can watch some luchador <laughs> wrestling on their shitty TV and feed the roaches. And that was fine. Why can't we have that again? I mean, they frame frame that at the beginning as, like, uh, you know, they're stuck in this dirt hole town Mm -hmm. with no car and no money. But, yeah, compared to all the stuff they go through just to try to get away from the bad guys, that does sound like the American dream. Like, the freedom to be able to watch a luchador with Dale pizza and feed the roaches. There's very very much a sense of, like, it's not that it's a good life, it's that it's their life. (laughs) And that beats the alternative. Oh, uh, definitely beats the alternative. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I just, these are great, love them, good times. I'm gonna have, uh, less, nice. the, the least amount to say about Dasha, because, uh, like Ama was saying, she doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, uh, but the interesting thing is that, uh, if you look at her character design, uh, before she speaks, uh, you can see, like, she's got more of a, like, a younger design to her, so I was expecting her to have a bit of a higher female voice. Uh, then we get to her, and no, it's uh, it's actually an older voice. It's a lower tone. It's definitely someone who's weathered life a little bit. So that was a little refreshing. And then I rewatched this movie today in the French, and her tone in English, Dasha's tone, is pretty much identical to the French tone. So I, I have to imagine that they were trying to match that uh, older voice that Luna has in the French. So good on Dasha for that, because that was definitely different from what I would have done. If I was the casting director, I would have gone with a higher voice just based on the character design. And I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. Uh, I don't know Vince Staples, uh, his body of work. Uh, And from looking at his discography, he's been in the game for about half a decade now. Uh, So hasn't really... He hasn't done any songs that I would recognize. I apologize. Uh, But again, going to what Amon said, it, it was good that I... Uh, could look at his performance and just think of the voice itself, think of the character, and not think about, um, oh, and by the way, this is Vince Staples, world-famous rap artist. It was ju- He was just a good uh, slacker archetype voice without a douchebag persona to go with it. Like, he was, like again, the kind of guy who, he's not ambitious, he's not 
aiming for the moon. He's probably not going anywhere in life, but that's okay. It's his life, you know. It, it, he's comfortable where he is, and you gotta kind of respect him for that. Uh, so, and I, I imagine that Vince uh, was able to pull in such a good performance, uh, partially because there are no lip flaps at all on this character. Nope. It's what, one of those great yeah. times where it's a skull with no mouth. So you don't have to match the lip flaps in the dubbing process. Which I feel, I feel like it's one of those things that both makes the job very easy and very hard, depending on what you're trying to do. Uh, yeah, you're right, because you could easily over, or you could overdo it. That's a good point. You, you got to be grounded in some ways. So, but, but yeah, Vince did a really good job. And especially, as you were saying, uh, his chemistry with uh, Lino's voice actor, who we'll get to momentarily, uh, worked out really well for their guys who are in way over their head with this adventure that they're not really suited for but we kind of like to watch that we like to watch the underdogs get thrust into a situation they're not quite ready for underdogs like willie who is absolutely the most obnoxious character in the cast and again that's okay i, I feel like his uh, dino's performance kind of drives home the uh uh loser uh population that they're uh, th that they're surrounded by because you don't expect these people to do great things you don't anticipate the guys hanging out by the drugstore or the you know the uh people on the bus who have no ambitions of anything of beating the alien mafia for lack of a better term so it's kind of surprising when they do and yeah dino's willie is absolutely the right level of lispy obnoxiousness that's uh just what this movie needed um yeah no, no complaints on these three they all did a very good job okay um, I think I'll, I'll start with Willie as well. Um, I love how Dino sort of gave him the, um, I, I do have to ask, cause it's been a little while since I've seen the, uh, the French version. Um, did Willie sort of have that sort of lispy, yes, like say it, don't spray it voice? Yes, he did. Uh, his, it's a little lower pitched than the, uh, uh, than Dino's English portrayal. But yeah, it definitely has that um, that extra saliva in the mouth affectation. Um, I think Dino actually ramped it up a little bit more from what I could tell. But yeah, that was not missing from the French. They definitely had that in the original. Okay. Um, needless to say, I, I did actually enjoy that. It, it gave, you know, like Amon and Noah were saying, it gives him sort of that kind of gross feeling. Um like, he's also just really, really annoying as a character. Um, just super loud. He thinks he's bombastic, but he's really not. And it, like, it, it's great. Like, he does the sort of air horn sound effect with his mouth. Just, like, shit, burn, 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 kind of thing. Like... I thought Dino's portrayal was really fun, and I think the standout moment for him in particular is where Willie is on the phone with Angelino and Vince, uh, as he's also trying to get on the toilet to take a shit. Because <laughs> he is not being subtle about what he needs to do. Um, he is absolutely that oversharer friend, and, like, it's great. I, I love this. Um, I also don't really have much to say uh, 
with um, Dush's portrayal of Luna. Because um, there's really not a lot to the character. Uh, though I feel like if somehow MFKZ ended up getting a sequel, um, she'd have a little bit more of a prominent role. Uh, for now, though, like, I like what I got, but I just... She is a major character, which is why I put her into this, but it's just... There wasn't enough there. Um, I, I do think she's sort of in that sort of, like, when she begins interacting with Angelino, like, she does a really good job obfuscating the fact that Luna is playing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also does sort of the, the heel face turn toward the end of the movie really well as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and also like, um, Amon and Noah were saying, um, I like the fact that it really did feel like there was a sense of camaraderie between Vince and Angelino with uh, Vince Staples' performance. Um, I do have a little bit of familiarity with his discography. Uh, mainly because also I'm familiar with him because he kind of showed up in um, Lil Nas X's... Um, <laughs> Music video for oh god, what was the name of the song? It's Old, it's old Town Road. I like I old like Town Road. I like his performance oh. in that he uh, basically in the video, Little Nas X has a race on his horse against a couple of cars and wins. <gasps> was and it af- that guy? Yes, and after and afterwards, uh, you know, Vince Staples is the guy giving money who basically accuses him of like hiding a supercharged engine in his oh horse, which god. is why he won. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> And, and tells the kids to stop dancing on the horse. Like we, yep, we don't yep. do that. That's his property. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Vince. <laughs> okay. What? Oh, thank you for telling me. Now I have a frame of reference. After yeah, I think, yeah that. Yeah, I, I feel. I feel like I. Saw, I feel like I don't remember the timing of me seeing the movie for the first time and me seeing that. But there's actually like, yeah, this guy could act. Give him. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Vince is actually a really fun character, and like I like the early interactions with him and Angelino in the apartment. Particularly, I like the conversation the two had about Angelino feeding the cockroaches. Like he he's trying to tell Angelino that that's kind of gross, and and it's like you know why are you feeding him dog food? Feeding them dog food, and he's just like cockroaches have sensitive tummies. I read that somewhere. <laughs> like, it, it's great. Like Alma was saying, it feels like they've known each other long enough that they are basically friends for life. And it, like, it's great. It's fun. I like this. I do have to wonder um, how... So on that... I just kind of wonder, like, how do they meet each other? Because they're, they're the most cartoonish-looking non-human-looking people in the city, so it's like, were they just destined to find each other? I, I don't know. Eh, who knows. Hard, hard times um, make but, strange bedfellows. Uh, specifically ending that segment on the note of Vins, I'd like to bring up Angelino. Um, he lives in a rat hole apartment with Vins. He has a bunch of pet cockroaches. Oh yeah, and he's half macho, half human. Uh, created as sort of the natural consummation between his human mother and macho father, Angelino represents sort of an odd moral compass for the macho race. Uh, 
throughout the movie, people are trying to manipulate him to become the being he was meant to be. Well, over the course of the movie, he comes to realize he can only be what he wants to be. So he ends up fighting the Macho. So he's the Iron uh, so, Giant? Eh, kinda? I am I, not a Macho. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, So, Angelino is played by Ken Michael. Uh, Ken Michael has actually, from what I could see from his IMDb page, he provided some songs for a couple soundtracks. Uh, the most notable one I could find was Mystery Men. Oh, um, the but 1999 movie with yeah with uh, um Ben Stiller yeah and Hank Azaria as the Blue Raja. <laughs> God, I love that movie. Um, anyway, um, in terms of actual acting, you would probably know Ken Michael from such projects as uh, the Saints Row games, um, the Nickelodeon series as told by Ginger. If you remember that, cookie for you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Actually, I actually like that show. The the uh, not as popular Class B Kuthbo series between Rocket Power and uh, what was the last one they did? Oh, Wild Thornberries. That's it. Mm. Okay, yeah, there we go. Um, he was also the lead in Cannon Busters. All right, so last segment, I think I had Amon. So Noah, why don't you tell us what you thought of Ken Michael as Angelino? Well, to swing this back around to uh, something that got mentioned before about how uh, the lead character is not even on the box. Uh, that is correct. I'm looking at the uh, the home video release, and you got you got Michael, you got uh, uh, Rizza, you got Vince Staples, you got Danny Trejo. You don't have Ken Michael on the box, which is a shame. Uh, but he should totally be on there because he has to carry this movie. He, his, uh, both internal monologuing about the state of, you know, his place in the world and his, uh, kind of, uh, freak out moments, like Hulk out moments when he starts to really give into the more animalistic side of his character are all done pretty well. Um, I want to say that his, uh, there was a, a monotone level that this character could have had, and the French kind of had it a little bit, because the original French was lower, more of a drawl, more laid-back sounding, um, and just kind of fitting with the way that the French kind of dub their um, misanthropic uh, lead characters. I'm very glad to say that Ken gave uh, Angelino a bit of a higher voice, made him a little more... Uh, relatable i think like we can all kind of relate to the person stuck in that their mid-20s crisis where they don't know where they're going and they've got no prospects of the future while still being engaging as an actor um and because he's understandable that was the thing i was more worried about is that his dialogue is not mumbled he's not like muttering his lines like this about i'm a pizza delivery guy i guess no he's he actually enunciates his words enough so that you can perfectly understand everything that he's saying while still getting across the uh my life sucks i should just get myself to the police kind of mentality um I, I don't have qualms. I like. I tried to write down like, do I have anything that he does wrong? Any like shortcomings of this? But thanks to really good direction by uh, you know Michael Center Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea, Ken Michael's portrayal absolutely carries us throughout the entire movie. And God dang it, you you just hope for the best for him by the end of it. Hmm. Amon. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm in agreement. Like, I think Ken turns in just a really good performance. Uh, like, you know, th- this this is very much a movie that I think you know this dev is going to live and die in part by the lead actor in it, and I think Ken does a like just a fantastic job. Like, like again, I think like he he plays off of Vince Staples really really well, and I think that that relationship I think is important to the movie. Um, but he's also, he just he's just good, just like when he's just you know. Well, the, the cockroaches have sensitive tummies, and you feel like he's kind of joking, but he also is like, no, the cockroaches. We like the cockroaches. They're good bugs. Because Give he knows what food. it's like to be... He knows what it's like to be insignificant, so he's got empathy for the, the most insignificant creature exactly. on Earth. Yeah, like, what, something something I like about this, this, this dove is that I think it takes a lot of characters who could just be, like, just kind of weird and cartoonish, and... Maybe aside from Willie, who I think is supposed to be just weird and cartoonish, it gives them a lot of humanity. Uh, like, you feel for Angelino. Like, he has a shit deal. And he's doing the best he can despite circumstances. And I think Ken really brings that through. It's like, deep down, like deep down he's a he's a decent, solid guy who's just trying his best. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that works out and sometimes that doesn't. But he's going to keep doing it. You know, especially... Uh-huh. It helps if you're born with superpowers. It's true. Well, even like you know, as far as Ken's performance, I especially like that bit at the end where he's like writing the letter to Luna. Like he can't mail it anywhere, but he's just you know he's just getting his thoughts out, and it's just very like wistful and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I think I think sometimes that kind of sort of introspective narration can sometimes fall flat in movies, but I think he does a really good job of delivering that. You get a really good sense of where he is now and how things have changed for him from the beginning of the movie when he's you know narrating his life. Where, you know, mm-hmm. in, in certain, you know, some things haven't changed really, but like he's in a different place now, and that's that that is that is good for him. Uh, I find it hard to believe that you know after everything that happened, that the world would just kind of like go back to the way they were. <laughs> but but maybe that's just human nature. You know, we want to forget about the bad stuff and just get back to the way things were. It's easy when you don't really understand what happened in the first place. That's also true. Yeah, Ken does a really yeah, good job. I was. I again does a really good job. I was just really happy with his performance. He does excellent. And now another reason to watch more of Cannon Busters, which I have only seen the first episode of. I've uh, seen the whole thing. Yeah, more the same. It's I mean, I, I can't give the show itself like the highest recommendation, but uh he tur- he's got a much I-, I was gonna say douchier performance uh in uh in that show. Uh but but in a fun way. It's like like okay, he he's a you know the Gene Starwin kind of asshole, but you know, the fun kind that you can you can let slide a few bad qualities. Oh no, I really want to watch more of this. <laughs> you said the magic words. Oh damn it! <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm done. All right. Okay. Um. Yeah, Ken Michael as Angelino. I I also really liked it. Um. He gets he gets to have a really subtle performance for the first maybe um third to half of the movie like as things are starting to go to hell um like i i love his interactions with vins i love the the sort of cockroaches have sensitive tummies kind of lines um but then Toward the end of the film, when he's captured by the Machos, and they basically successfully planted into his head that, you know, he's got to kill Vins in order to achieve his perfect self. 
and he starts uh, he starts to do it and and regains himself. Like I love that sort of moment of self doubt for him. Like Angelino is a surprisingly well rounded character, and I like that Ken Michael was able to sort of portray the whole package pretty well. Um, I can't think of any particular scene that really jumped out for me for him. Um, I, I think when he sort of, when he and Vince had to flee to the, um, the part of town with the, with the gangbangers. Oh, Palm Hill. Palm Hill. Thank you. City of bangers. Um, like I, I remember that that had a specific reference to the Los Angeles metro area, and I can't remember it now. Anyway, yeah, I I sort of like the, uh, that scene in Palm Hills where he's sort of, like, he's reminding himself to keep his head down and not mess with the status quo at all, or else, you know, he'd get shot and killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just that, that sort of element of panic. Like, I, I thought that was really strong, and I... I overall really like this performance, and I, I'm I'm kind of rambling at this point, so I'm gonna go ahead and move things to final thoughts. So, um, Noah, I believe. Sure. Did I, did I have Amon do the last section, or? Actually, I don't remember. Um, here, Amon, I will fight you for it. Uh, <laughs> look, one of your children is crawling out of bed. Oh my gosh, where? Haha, I win. Damn it. Alright, go for it. Alright. Um, I, I think this movie is just a lot of fun. Uh, like, as a movie, it's really... I think it's interesting. It's really well put together. It's a lot of fun to watch. And I think this dub is really superb. Uh, I think it matches the movie really well. And it's just... It's a good time. Like, I highly recommend it. It is... I'll tell you to watch it later. But, like, go check it out. It's good. Yeah. Alright, All right, Noah. Um, have you rounded up the, the kinderfolk? That I have, even though it is uh, near 11 o'clock. Never, never give your children candy right before bed, people. It's a bad idea. Yes, yes, tisk tisk at me. Um, the thing is that uh, when I watched this movie last year uh, for the first time, it, was, uh, it wasn't like it was in, the, in my top ten uh, things seen in the year or anything like that. Like, this is a very specific kind of aggro, hardcore badass French-Japanese co-production, and if any of those words sounded interesting to you, especially smashed all together, then you're probably already interested in checking this out. The plot is second nature. Like, in the last third, when it gets down to, like, why the two characters are being chased, the big change in the world plans, that part really isn't why you watch this movie. You watch it for gangbanger shootouts, you watch it for a car chase scene with an ice cream truck, which is the most badass thing that I've ever seen. And you watch it for uh, interestingly designed characters living in this comic book world, which that's exactly what it was. It was originally a comic book. And so the dub, the thing I can give top praise for is that even if the kind of movie itself isn't quite your cup of tea because it's like too raw or too extreme or just not your genre, the dub itself absolutely captures what this movie is supposed to be. There is not a thing in this that I can look at and say like, 
uh, maybe do better on this or change this or cast this person instead of that person or change that dialogue around here or there. No, this dub is really good the way it is. I can't imagine watching the French version over the English one. I absolutely recommend the English for this. And it is unique in not just dubbing, but any animation at all. So we could definitely use a few more motherfuckers in the dubbing world. Um, this is a really fun, big, bombastic film. Um, I think more so than I've seen in uh, sort of French animation in a while. How much French animation have you seen? Um, Ernest and Celestine. That's... I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I've seen, I've seen my fair share. Um, actually, this does come kind of close to Last Man. Okay. So. Oh, God. Now, there's another thing I'd love to be able to cover someday. Anyway. Um, MFKC is a big, bombastic film, and this dub matches that energy and then some. Now, usually the and then some is a little bit of a problem because, you know, it doesn't quite fit, and you're kind of left with this big old mess with a big bombastic dub for a little quite subtle film or show. No, no, no. Um, these, the visual elements and the dub audio elements are all perfectly in sync. It's great. It's fun. Um, not gonna be everybody's cup of tea because it's like ultra-violent, but, you know, if that's your thing... This is absolutely worth your time. And if you do want to take your time out to check out MFKZ, um, the Blu-ray is readily available via G-Kids, uh, distributed through Universal. Um, and if home physical media isn't your thing, I believe the film is still streaming on Netflix. It is. Yes. So yeah, you can go to Netflix... Check it out. Have a great time with it. Just make sure that the kids aren't watching. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Put the kids to bed first. Um, now, if you are interested in anything we are doing, um, the Dub Talk podcast has just recently hit 5,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel. Go us. Thank you very much. Um, that is the primary place where, where we post our, our episodes. Um, but that's not the only place you can find them. We have also put up audio-only feeds via Podbean, which will populate them in such places as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, we also have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash, I believe, Podcast, um, where we... At the moment, Megan and Amon have basically taken a couple of days out of the week to every once in a while stream playing playing some sort of game. Um, hopefully, once I'm able to get my internet connection a little more stable, I'd like to join them, but we shall see. Um, oh, also, a Twitter account at twitter.com slash dubtalkpodcast. Um, mainly that is utilized to promote our episodes and whatnot, Twitch streams, basically what we're doing. It's a good idea to follow that, because we also, 
we like to post hints to the episodes that we're about to post. Sometimes they get really clever and really fun. <laughs> and you never guess what we're doing. No. Because we ain't so. telling. Um, so with that... Oh, yeah, also, um, there are going to be links down in the down below, but um, we have a Kofi page uh, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution. Definitely appreciate it. Um, and if you want something a little more regular, we also have a Patreon. And at the end of our episodes, we like to shout out our patrons. So, at the $5 tier, we have Megan's Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands, <laughs> uh, Sue Tweedy, and Victor Mybaroda. And at the $10 tier, uh, we have Carly Lessacow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. I should also note that at that $10 tier, every three months, uh, we hold a little raffle. You get to pick a show, and if it ends up winning the raffle, we'll do an episode on it. Um, we have recently picked our... I believe is yeah, like earlier this month we we picked our selection for April. Yep. Should be out before June. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have another raffle, I think, sometime in July. Mm. Yes. And boy, let me tell you, if it, when you people find out what got picked, well, you'll find out when you find out. I was gonna throw in like a subtle hint, but I'm like, no, I can't think of anything subtle enough. They'll figure it out if I say it. Yeah. Uh, uh but enough of us shamelessly promoting our show. Um, let's get to shamelessly promoting ourselves. Noah, where can we find you on the wide world of the internets? Oh boy, the interwebs, the super information superhighway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue, and that is where I like to uh, have discussions about all things relating to animation. And uh, I, I'd like to point out that uh, we just had the Annie Awards where Wolfwalkers, uh, the latest animated feature by Irish production Cartoon Saloon, walked away with uh, five Annie Awards, uh, including Best Director and Best Character Design and some of the really prestigious ones as well. So I'm really gunning for them to win the Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards uh, in a couple of weeks. By the time this episode comes out, you will have known who actually won, but I'm just telling you right now, I am gunning for the Irish all the way. Nice. Amon, why don't you shamelessly plug yourself? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Duel has two U's in it. I talk about comic books and movies and books, and I also talk about music. And, gentlemen, would you like a dusty old song for the episode? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good, because you're getting oh. two. Uh-oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, only if it ties into this episode in some way. Oh, absolutely. Long, long past my days where I just sort of picked a song at random because I didn't know anything better. Um, so, I would recommend... <laughs> so, hey, there are two rappers, there are two musicians in this. What do they do? Um, the RZA probably needs no introduction. If you're into rap music, you've, you at least know who the RZA is, whether you like him or not. Uh, he has a whole solo discography, which I'm not super familiar with. Uh, a lot of it's, like, soundtrack music, as we mentioned, which, from what I've heard, is generally very good. He has some solo albums that I'm not familiar with. Um, but if you want a quintessential RZA part, it's probably the 
beginning, uh, well, obviously there's the, the Wu-Tang Clan's classic first album, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. And one of the, one of the great moments of that album is the <laughs> beginning of the song, Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With, which is just the RZA shouting, Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With. And it sounds amazing. Like, I can't, I can't, under, I can't, I cannot explain to you how great he sounds yelling this into the microphone. So listen to that. And of course, Vince Staples is in this. Uh, he's great. Uh, he, as, 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 as I think, you know, vaguely kind of unintentionally alluded to, he's not had a lot of, like, pop commercial success, I think, in part because, judging by the kind of music he makes, I don't think that's something that interests him all that much. Uh, but he's been a fairly, like, big name in the rap, in the rap world since he, like, kind of started like getting profile stuff uh and i would recommend his second album big fish theory uh which i got into because that was the album he put out around the time that he guested on the gorilla's fourth album uh he's also a song on that which i think is called ascension it's also very good you should listen to that too uh but big fish theory is like uh, it's really like interesting and kind of like dark and uh like odd and has a lot of kind of like like sort of like dance like influenced by like dance genres that aren't really about dancing they're just kind of about like you know electronic moods and stuff uh, and the song on there, uh, Crabs in a Bucket, I think, is a really good standout, so I'd recommend checking that out. Um, also, uh, Roos, did you talk about the where you can get the actual comic? Oh, no, I have oh. not. Um, oh, good, because I can do that, too. Nice. Uh, yeah, so, where can we find the comic? Uh, well, previously, Motherfuckers was available in English from Titan Comics, although that's now out of print. And for a while, you could get it digitally on Comixology, actually, from... Uh, uh, Ankama, because uh, Ankama publishes some of their stuff in English. You can, incidentally, if you read French, you can get it in French on Comixology as well, uh, which I cannot. But uh, you used to be able to get it on there, but that's been taken down because they've uh, uh, agreed to a new distributor in the United States. A uh, fairly new company called Behemoth Comics is going to start publishing it in like floppy form in the summer. Uh, which is going to be interesting, I think, because uh, I think previously when Titan was publishing, it was just as, like, you know, books. Uh, so it's going to be interesting seeing this published as, like, a monthly comic of some variety. And hopefully it'll do well enough that they can publish at least most of it in English again, because that'd be really nice. Uh, I've, like, seen a little bit of it. Like, it, I'm curious to know how it compares to the movie and, like, the art looks nice, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that is... Yeah, kids, um, if you've got a local comic shop where you can set up a pull list, put motherfuckers in your pull list. If you if you don't, I will note you can order comics from Behemoth's website. Oh, which, which excellent. If you're, which, if you're ordering, like, issue by issue, might get a little expensive with shipping, but, like, you wait for a few issues to come out, like, you know, it'll be a little nicer on your wallet. Um, so that is also an option if you don't necessarily have something in your area you can get easily. All right. Um, and if you'd like to find me on the great wide internets, um, I'm Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com, at Roots of Justice, where I mainly retweet cute animal pics, talk general fandom stuff. It's a good time. You should come follow me. Um, and at the same time, um, I am also working on a little bit of a solo project. It's gonna take a little while to get out of the oven, but I think once it's done, you might enjoy it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Uh, so with that, I believe this episode is a wrap. <laughs> Pun kind of intended. <laughs> oh, I get it, because there are rappers in this dub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bringing back that timer from Glipnir again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotcha. No, this is a fun episode, and thank you, Roots, for uh, uh, instigating uh, Ahmad and myself to check this out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's kind of been... Uh, it's another one of my backburner ones that's been in production for, like, two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we finally got it done. I'm I'm really happy that we finally got to do it. Um, so, from us, Dub Talk, to you, um, do not forget to multiply the oxygen. <laughs> um, and otaku on there, Dubba. Rock on Boston, rock over Chicago. Aloha and otaku on, my friends. All right, my audio is now going. As is mine. To be or not to be. Yes, we're working good. The world is a stage and we are but actors. Anyway, alright. When you guys are ready, I'll give you a three count and we'll sync this bad boy up. Yay. Now, are are we, uh, we're we're allowed to uh, be profane on this episode, right? Considering what the title of the show (laughs) is. Um, give it until after, I would say, the first minute and a half. <coughs> just so that YouTube doesn't decide to be a dick and demonetize us. That's true. That's usually the time taken up by the disclaimer anyway, but I, I, I see what you're saying from. Yeah, I don't care, though. <laughs> Otherwise. I don't fuck with you, you stupid little <laughs> less bitch. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I see. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm ready. All right. On the count of 3. <laughs> <laughs>